The following is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic Whittier events and gatherings, please visit mosaicwhittier.org. All right, let's just um, jump right into it, shall we? We are in the tribe series. This is the end of it. We, we had a, um, three weeks of discussing faith, three weeks discussing love, and today's the third week discussing hope, and this morning's title is Hope Changes Everything. And part of what we're going to do is just jump right into the scriptures in Ezekiel chapter 37. Um, Ezekiel 37, and uh, I want you to keep this image in mind. of When, when you look at this, perhaps you um, have seen the stacks of bones from uh, images of war, the Holocaust, uh, the Cambodian killing fields, uh, burial sites that have been uncovered, recent and uh, distant uh, massacres, and, and think of the dried bones and, and the possibility that how, how does life come from that? How do you, how do you reanimate life and with tissue and nerve endings and eyeballs that used to fit in those ocular cavities and mouths that, that uh, made words out of those teeth and, you know, all, how do you make life out of that again? Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 1 says this, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out of the spirit, he brought me out, he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley it was full of bones. This traditionally is known as the valley of bones passage. He led me back and forth just walking back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And so he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, Well, prophesy to these bones. Talk to these bones. And say to them, Ezekiel, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and you will make flesh come upon you and cover, your, cover you with skin. Because we're just better looking with a little skin on us as opposed to just muscles. I will put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I'm the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. I, I, I repeated what God told me to say. And as I was prophesying, as I was speaking these things, there was a noise and then a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And then when I looked, I, I, use your imagination, because this is really a great film. And, and I don't know what sound effects you have or, or what this would be like. And I looked, and then tendons and flesh appeared on them, and then skin covered them. But now you have to picture this uh, human being, a body, <coughs> Standing or laying down, I don't know how you picture this, but, but that's, that's the important part there at the end of verse 8. But there was no breath in them. There was the appearance of life, but no breath. Let's continue. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I repeated what God told me to repeat. I, I prophesied as he commanded and breath entered them, and, and they came to life. And they stood on their feet, a vast army, hold it. So, I, so they're laying around, and, 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 and I, was it individuals? Was it all in one shot? How do you picture this? You know, it's just a cool scene to think about, you know, 
uh, disturbing and, and fantastic and, and terrifyingly beautiful. Just, just people. All, how would you feel if you were that person waking up? It's, I always wondered. That was interesting from, La, from when they, Jesus called out Lazarus. I want to see it from Lazarus' point of view. Like when he woke up, he had cotton all over him, you know, and had to a, had a hop out, you know. Okay, so uh, verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, he, then he tells, you, he tells us in Ezekiel who they are, Son of man, these bones, they're the people of Israel. Now they, they say that our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we're cut off. So this is what I want you to tell them. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and I'm going to bring you up from them and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I'm the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. It's a great metaphor of the future, yes? The, the resurrection and everything else. And I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that uh, I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. This is the word of God. It's odd that we often think that, um, well, yeah, I'll just tell you. It's, it's odd that we often think that politics actually makes a difference. Now, I'm not speaking ill of people who, who pursue the life of politics. That This is just the, um, there are folks that I've met in the past several months that, that are so tied to one particular party or the other that, you know, that somehow that life and death hinge on who is in the state house or a white house and yet forgetting that God's on the throne. We actually are under the impression, under the illusion, that one person can actually have the power to make a change or a difference in anyone's life. Now, once again, I'm not cynical about politics. I think it matters. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you, you've been called to work and then operate in that arena, you should. We need people who care about Christ to be in that arena. But let's be honest, when you, if you lose somebody that you love and care for, I've got to tell you, it doesn't matter who's in office, you feel hopeless, you feel hurt. So when something difficult happens, is a matter to be a follower of Jesus, when it feels like there is no hope. I, I hope you notice that as, as Dan was flipping through the slides for us, that verse 11, verse 11, God is actually quoting the people of Israel. They say there's no hope. They say our bones are dried up. They say our hope is gone. They say we're cut off. Understand, this isn't God speaking. This was God just quoting the negative, hopeless conversations that Israel was having with themselves and often with us. So you have to ask yourself in some ways, what voice has the final say in your life? And I also recognize that it's easier to hope when life happens to you than when you do it to yourself. When life comes as a blunt force and seems to punish you or harm you or hurt you, when, when, when it's something that's happened to you like an auto accident or bad news from a doctor or your company has gone bankrupt or... Um, you, you, things that, that are negative and painful and hurtful that you didn't cause, it's easier to cry to God. It's easier to go to God and say, help me. But it's completely different than when you've done it to yourself. Yes? You've done something stupid. You knew, people told you, don't do this. You're going to make a destructive decision. Please don't do this. You're my, you're my brother. You're my sister. You're part of this community. We love you. Please don't do this thing that you're going to do. And you, and you know, you, maybe you hide, you sneak about it, or, or you're, you're obstinate and say, I'm going to do it anyways, and you do it, and then it all goes into the toilet. Then it's harder to go to God, isn't it? It's harder to feel like, oh, 
goodness, I, I, I don't deserve a second chance. These bones are dried up. My hope is gone, and I'm cut off. That's what I want to talk to you about. And, and you know, it just, we, we went too far. We, 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 we can't be forgiven. We can't be loved. We can't be embraced or held by our God. I mean, what happened? Uh, often, it's, often it's obviously the result of many stupid decisions, little ones, little slight, little slight turns. And, and, and what makes it worse, what, why it feels so painful, because you can recall a time that God was so close. You felt him so, so distinctly. You felt him so keenly. And then all of a sudden, it's like you're so cut off from him. Now, often, it doesn't have to even be these horrible, you know, you know, immoral things. It's just little actions, thought patterns, associations, different friends. And it's like, you know, I thought I would feel God more. What happened? One thing I'm going to suggest is that you took it for granted. Like any relationship, um, you know, uh, <laughs> any relationship... Not ours, honey, but any other relationship. <laughs> it's just work. I mean, you know. Uh, again, unlike ours, it's just glory and blessings every day. But um, uh, by the way, I'm speaking from her end, you know, um, that it must be a challenge. Um, but hey, listen, you're welcome. I made her the saint that she is. So you're being, you know, you're welcome. But any relationship takes work. And if you've been married, you know, an hour, you know that. If, if you have... If, <laughs> You know, the first argument's at the wedding, isn't it, you know? Uh, driving home or driving to the hotel, you know, turn this way, turn that. What difference does it make, you know? Why did I marry you? You know, it's, it's been 40 minutes, sir. You have family that you love that you don't like at all. Yes? It, it, it's like, oh, the holidays, they're going to come over. So you know why you're laughing? Because you've done this. This is why you're laughing. Have you ever thought about those of you who are not laughing because you're the relative? The people are like, <laughs> I don't have that at all. Wait a minute. I'm the guy that people don't like. <laughs> we take relationships for granted and we take God for granted, especially when it's great, especially when it's good. And, and, and we just think it's always going to be this way. I don't have to do anything. He's just carrying me. It's just glory and blessings. It's, you know, woo, why didn't I join up, sign up for this earlier? And then it's gone. Now, I think there's a few reasons, but one of them is that we're just dumb and we take it for granted. And we start uh, actions and patterns of thinking and behaving that are contrary to the life of God. And so little by little, we just drift away. He doesn't move. We drift away. And then we find ourselves completely dry. Faith, then, is often like relationships. They can seem very easy and light and comfortable and funny, and, you know, it's just, it's just wonderful. And then they take that turn where faith is actually awkward and hard and embarrassing. Because for some of you, when we were singing those songs, I, I remember this time, you would sing these songs about how great God is and how good, and we, we're so thankful and grateful, and you feel like a hypocrite singing that song. But heaven forbid that people don't see you singing, because you don't want people to know that you really don't care. Now it's quiet, because I realize you felt that too. And then you get to a place where you actually think you want to die, or, or at least stop, because this is, what, this is a pattern. I want you to recognize this so that when it happens, you know that, it's, you know that it's typical, you're not that unusual. When you're in pain, when things don't go right, you will jettison, cut out, get rid of whatever you think is causing your pain. That's why people leave marriages. That's why people leave jobs. That's why people move. 
they cut their hair, they, they do whatever, because they feel that that's the thing that's causing them pain. Let me get rid of it. And you want to die, but you don't. And worse, when you're thinking in that kind of a death mode, all you see is your deadness, and then all you see is the deadness in other people. And then all you see is deadness. You're in the valley of bones, because all you see is dead people. Go ahead and hit that video, please. remember this film and you know the secret I'm not going to give it away some of you saw the spoof of this film and so you, it's hard to watch that uh, watch that scene and not think it's funny until you, it happened to you until you're actually so dead all you see is your own deadness and the deadness of other people and you think our bones are dry there is no hope I'm cut off is faith real is God real because of all your self-inflicted wounds in fact, when you think of things like sin and evil and darkness and brokenness, one way to, another way to phrase it is just think of it as self-inflicted injuries, self-inflicted wounds. We do it to ourselves, and that's why we feel hope is lost. Because, I mean, we did it to ourselves. We caused our own mess. We don't deserve another chance. We don't deserve another break. We don't deserve to live. We don't deserve to be forgiven. We can be tolerated. Have, have any of you ever thought that? Like, you know, God forgives me because he has to, because he's God. But I, he, he, doesn't have my, he doesn't have my art on the refrigerator anymore. You know, it's like he took me off his favorite list. I'm, his, I'm family, but doesn't really love me. It, that resonate with anybody? I'll make it to the marriage supper of the Lamb, but I'm going to be busting tables. At least I'm there. Let's go to, let's go to verses 1 through 3. I want to just dissect this a bit further, and, and we'll, uh, we'll go through this passage. So in this particular passage, have you wondered, why is it that God seems to ask so many questions? In the story of Jesus, there's several hundred questions he's asked. He only answers two or three directly. And every question he asks, he always flips it and asks them another question. Asks them a question about their question. It's a great lesson. And then when you look at this question, um, <laughs> verse 3, Son of man, can these bones live? It's a trick question. It's lose-lose, right? If he says, well, of course not. He goes, oh, so I'm not God? You know, like, and if you say, yes, they can live, you know, well, go ahead, you do it then. You feel like, mm. so I, I think Ezekiel, you know, cut, cut down the middle. Well, if anybody knows, you know, surely it's you, Lord. Questions from God are 
are always an, an opportunity for us to get to the truth of a matter. They exchange our no for his yes. It's always about seeing a potential. And every good future, every healthy future, every God future starts in the imagination, but the imagination is catalyzed by hope. Let me repeat that to you. Every good future, every God future, every healthy future, it starts in your imagination, but that imagination has to be catalyzed in hope. If you have no hope that things could be any different, you can't imagine anything different. You can't see anything different. But then verses 4 through 7 are interesting because he, he actually is, um, he's coaching or, or training or, or teaching Ezekiel how to speak. I think about this. When you read this passage again, and perhaps you'll do it during the week, I want you to notice that nothing happens when God says it. It only happens when Ezekiel says it. Ezekiel, this is, I want, here's how I want you to talk to these bones. And then he gives them the words. And then Ezekiel says it, and it happens. He, I, I want you to understand that the, the life-giving ability or significance that he gives our life. He transfers that ability to you and to me to create life in our life and in the life of others. Now, before you think that's too crazy, like I've gone off the deep end or something, or, I, I'm, you know, look at this verse from John chapter 7, verse 38. John 7, verse 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from where? From within them. Is it a source that you are? No. It comes from God himself, but from out of you will flow out other life. You know this. You've seen this happen in your lives over and over and over again, that the way you, you speak to others, the way you treat others, how, how you live your life without even saying something directly to people, just what you do, your, your habits, your manners, will nudge people towards heaven or will nudge them towards hell. But nobody, as Hemingway once said, no man is an island and neither is a woman an island. You do not live and die alone without impacting other people. You leave a stamp, a mark, a legacy. There's a wake behind you of people that you've touched, good or bad. You've affected people. And so when a man or a woman is connected to, to God through our Savior Jesus Christ, what comes out of them, the effect of their lives, will always be right, will be good. Living water. And what God wishes to do in human history, he does through a human in history, a man or woman that lives right, right now. So, for example, here's what I mean about that last sentence. When, when you think of yourself right now in 2015, do you ever stop to think in terms of very little of what I'm going to do with my life will matter 15, 20 years from now? Ever, ever thought that? Like, what difference does it matter? What difference does it matter? What difference does it make? What does it matter what I do? A lot. You do not know the end of your life until, you ready? Ready for this? Get your pens ready. Till the end of your life. You are the sum total of all your actions and decisions. And, and some, there's very significant things that we do, individual acts. But it's the sum total of all our lives that have an impact on people. The summary. Hang in there to the end. Sometimes the best is in our later years. As I said before, often we, um, back to Ezekiel 37, often in verse 7, 
often we, we, we ask God, have you done this? You're praying for things about situations. God, can you do anything about this? Will you please fix this? Will you please change this? I, I, want, I want to suggest to you that if, if you listen to his answer, he's telling you, well, yes, I do want to do something about that. That's why I'm going to fix you. That's why I'm going to change you. You are part of this with me. I, I'm not, and I can just do it, but I do what I do in human history through a human in history. It's by my spirit in you. The future starts with a human being with hope. Let's go back to Ezekiel 37, verses 8 and 10. In verses 8 and 10, um, like, like I mentioned here, let's just, let's just, I mean, how did that, how did that even, did they slither across and, and snap? And then, you know, the tendons appearing, the flesh appearing, skin beginning to wrap around it. They're all just laying around, lifeless bodies. Let's go to verse 9 and 10 in this. That even breath itself was, was, you know, God says to Ezekiel, here's how you're supposed to make this happen. Think of, um, think of something you're faced with right now. A situation you find yourself in. It's a business decision. Um, in fact, haven't you noticed almost everything's relational, by the way? Always involves people. You're, you're, in a, you're in a situation regarding finances or your home life or your business life. And almost all of it involves people, almost always, always. And what makes you stay up at night, lose sleep and worry, is that you don't know how to make life come out of this anymore. You don't know what to do anymore. Now, what's frustrating, there's two options that make this frustrating. One is that you're just at a place where you've never been before. And God's not stretching you. Let me rephrase this. Perhaps God's just showing you the magnitude and, and, and the length of the life he wishes to give you. You haven't explored how large he wishes to make you. Well, the other option, and this is the one that's frustrating, this is the one that's embarrassing, you've created, you, you've created the mess. And so you're embarrassed to ask God for help. The valley of the bones. They say we're cut off. They say our bones are dry. They say we have no hope. That is not what God says. He's only quoting you. And then he tells you the truth. We look alive and still dead. We look like we have it together and still dead. Have you ever got a compliment from somebody and you kind of felt embarrassed or resented it because you realize you're not that person? You're so together. Like, whoosh, if you only knew. We used to get the one that says, your kids are so well-behaved. They're doped up right now. I mean, there's <laughs> horse tranquilizers will do wonders for toddlers. <laughs> Just shoot them up in the morning. Because we feel like a fraud. We feel like a phony in our own skin. We feel like we are lying to ourselves and everybody else. I'm not that good. I'm not that great. I... Mm. I'm actually actually deciding yeah I'm not going to share it but you can email me and I'll tell you <laughs> aww, aww that's not fair aww. 
Yeah, you look alive and still dead. And, what, and, what, and when God told Ezekiel, these bones, Ezekiel, it's Israel. Or just read this. These bones, Ezekiel, are my people. These bones, Ezekiel, are my followers. What was needed? Look at go to verse 10. Um, the breath of life from them. His spirit. Um, in fact, it's in Hebrew, it's Ruach, which is the name of a band. His friends used to come here. Um, and, and, you, and as I mentioned before, in the scriptures, there's always this echo, a repetition of that, of themes and ideas. You find it in Genesis with, with Adam, the breath of life. You find it here in Ezekiel, the breath of life. But here's where else you find it. Let's go to John chapter 20, just a moment. John chapter 20. And, uh, and so Jesus has already resurrected. He appears to them and he, he tells them to be at peace because they probably freaked them out that they came back. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Let that sink in for just a moment. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And then he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. The Creator over and over, breathing life into us. That's what you need. You just need the breath of life. It's not over. Your bones are not going to be dry forever. You're not cut off. And there is hope. Because your God has not given up on you, any of you. Think of the person that would... Uh, <laughs> think of the person in your family that, would be that you'd be surprised if they came to faith. Like, what? Like, in fact, if they came to faith, you might even come to faith. Well, if you're going to believe in Jesus, I guess I can, you know. <laughs> Wouldn't that, aren't there some people in your life, you'd be shocked if they came to faith, right? Shocked. Why is it so surprising? You did. You were, you were in the valley of the bones just where they, they were. You just got up earlier. That's it. That's all. Why does God, why does God do this over and over for us? Because he loves you. He is never done with you. He pleaded with Judas at the end. On the cross, rescues a, rescues a thief who was being executed. When does he stop? When, why did he do this? Because he loves you, cares about you, and, f and for what? Well, look at, uh, let's go to verse um, 11 of, of Ezekiel 37. Da, 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 da. Go to the next 13, 14. Nope, sorry. Go back to 10. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. <laughs> the end of verse 10. Sit on their feet a vast army. There's never life given without an, without an intention. Back, back in the day, we're, you know, Tom, Tom and I remember this. We're old enough to remember this. Remember the... God doesn't make junk. You know, it was like a little daisy or something in there. No self-respecting man would have that in their car. You know, I did, though, because I'm not self-respecting. <laughs> uh, but, but uh, and I know that for some of us, the idea of an army, an army of God, sounds very jingoistic and warlike, and, you know, it's, it sounds, but um, how about a rescue? How about search and rescue? Does that make a better image for you? 
Because God does not give you a life without an, without an intention. God does not give you a life without a plan. God does not give you a life without having a, 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 a set of good works that he already has custom made for you. Now, I'm gonna, I've heard this in the past, and I wasn't sure about it. It's been years I've been fussing over this. And I, I, man, if it's true, it's, it's wonderful and terrifying at the same time. What if you are the only one that can do a certain thing for the, for the humanity? What if it's you and you alone? And if you don't get it done, it's not going to get done. Is it possible? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2.10. Everybody loves Ephesians 2.8.9, but 2.10. For God, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. What? To do good works in general, just vaguely, just hey, here's a quarter, child, and, you know, here's some ice cream, and, you know, it seems like it's specifically, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Something very specific, something that maybe only you could do because of your time in history, because of your cultural makeup, because of the parents you have, because of where you live, and your, all that you are, sometimes the very things that we despise. God says, I've made you this way to do certain things. Why do you hate my handiwork? Why do you hate your gender, your kind, your people, your, your background, your family, where you live? Why? I made you this way for you to do a good work. And as a reminder, verse 11 of Ezekiel 37, giving poor Dan a workout over there. They say, remember this, folks. They say, it's not God says, and yet, verse 12 is, well, they say this, my people say this, but here's what I say. And God is the final voice. I'm going to open your graves and bring you out from them. Whatever God says, excuse me, what God says is that it's not over and he's not given up on us because God knows what he can do when a man or woman submits and gives his life to him. God knows what he can do when someone turns their life to them. That's why, last slide, last, 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 last one. The hope one. Yep, there it is. Hope changes everything. Father, thank you for being good to us. Thank you for being kind. Thank you for being just loving and merciful not because we deserve it, but because you're loving and merciful. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being powerful. Thank you for being forgiving. Thank you for being a God of mercy who speaks to our dry bones and gives us life again. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production of Mosaic Whittier. For more information on getting connected with the Mosaic Whittier community, please visit mosaicwhittier.org.